Keep Rayman Digital on the air by pledging to our Patreon page. In order for us to continue to put out professional live broadcasts and podcast episodes, we need the support of our listeners. To so go to patreon.com slash Digital to pledge $1 to $10 a month and keep us on the air. Would you care to step outside? We do it today. Warning, PC and RMD contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Awesome. Oh, sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. All right. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to DC on RMD, the Stargirl edition. I am Michael Flores, your host in the studio. With me is Bobby Doherty. Hello, Bob. What's happening? All right. So we are here to talk about, of course, DC Universe's Stargirl. In this episode, we are talking season one, episode eight, Shiv part two. The conclusion to what you could call the Shiv origin story. And I will say this, Bob, from the opening minutes until the last scene was some of the best DC TV moments we've had on TV in terms of sheer writing. Sure, Watchmen and Doom Patrol are possibly better overall shows, without a doubt, mm-hmm. the way they explore social issues. But the way the director and the writer just worked in this episode, taking what's on that page, it created this through line of just suspense all the way through the 45 47 minutes i actually had to go make sure that i watched the whole thing that's how fast it went yeah i mean and that shows you how amazing of an episode this was because you are looking at the clock but looking at the clock for a different reason more of a like i'm supposed to be a critic of this did i watch the whole thing what the fuck just happened yeah it was so fast so concise like they use their time so well. And that was because, like you said, the acting, the directing, everything about this was damn near perfect. It really was. This is like just the accumulation of a show that had a purpose and intent. This is why you write TV shows like this. And I said this, I believe, at the very beginning of episode one, when we were wowed by the pilot, I said, you can tell Jeff Johns has a target. He has a goal and the re- and because of that, this show is going to f- just all come together because you can sense you get the gist from the very beginning, the very first episode. There is intention there. There is a story he wants to tell and he's not going to deviate. And this episode just brings all of that together. And to think that we still have five episodes left and you cover Doom Patrol. Yeah, And me and Angelica covered Watchmen, available out there if you guys want to go back and listen. Plug, plug, plug. Um, This is how I felt after every Watchmen episode. Yeah. To where I was like, holy shit, what did I just watch? Whereas this is a little bit of a slow burn. It's like, we're going to build, we're going to build, we're going to get there, we're going to get there. It's a a different show. Yeah. yeah, It's a different type of show, for sure. Yeah, I'm not talking, but it was the same feeling of like, yeah, I agree. Like, I can't wait to get in here and do what I do. Yeah. You know, which, again, it's, it's, 
Watchmen has been the one of the only shows over the last couple of years that I've been feeling that way when I want to cover it. Right. You know, it's like, let's get in here. Let's fucking do this. And I feel like, the how same- the fuck are we going to keep this to 55 minutes? <laughs> yeah. And I feel the same way with Doom Patrol. I mean, that's my favorite DC show currently airing right now. And socially, it's beautiful. Uh, emotionally, it's beautiful. But this episode just brought this level of intensity that I have not felt watching even Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol is highly emotional. It's a tearjerker. It's phenomenal writing. This is just a very different show. And the intensity that this episode brought was was outstanding. And I did not expect to ever get to this point in a show like this, even though the evidence was there, even though we've been enjoying these episodes. I did not think we would get to where we were at in this episode. What I think they did, they created a level of anxiety that you really felt something could go wrong. Yeah. Like whether it was Beth, you know, going down and fucking running into Grundy, you know, or, you know, anything going on, uh, the, the fights, the, 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 the scene in the bedroom scene, all that shit. Like you felt like there was real repercussions Mm -hmm. going to happen. And a lot of the times when we do this, we always know it's like, yeah, you know what? At the end of this, they're going to get out of it. They're not going to kill that person. You know, that's not going to happen. And this one, I actually felt like, fuck, something could go wrong here. Yeah. Well, you have Pat, you know, doing his thing with the Stepford wife. You have Beth in the basement. You know, you, who knows? You have Cindy talking with uh, Courtney all in parallel. I mean, this is how you write a TV show and you're just waiting for something to happen. And re- literally, I mean, metaphorically, I mean, that's essentially what Beth represented walking down this hall. What's going to jump out at her from the darkness? It's really smart, a really great episode. And as I said, just didn't expect to have this level of tension and suspense in a show like this. And we had speculated that we would get here. Possibly we had compared this potential moment uh, with the Spider-Man homecoming scene between, you know, Michael Keaton's character and Peter Parker. And we kind of got that scene when Cindy came to visit Courtney. Yeah. It definitely was there. And the anxiety and, and I, I like, we're getting into this now, right? Like, I don't want to yeah, jump yeah, for it. At some moments I was like, this broad can't be this dumb. <laughs> like, like you're talking about uh, Cindy. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's, there's no way that she's just like, yeah, whatever. And then like that, that turn at the end, I was like, okay, cool. Like this bitch is playing her. This is awesome. Yeah. Because at first I was like, no, this isn't happening. I'm like, this is stupid. This is the whole, like I I started getting in that mode of like, no, no, they're not doing this. She can't be that dumb. She knows it's her. Like we, we talked about it last week. She saw Pat. She knows what's going on. I'm like, okay, maybe she won't notice until she finds Pat at her house. And then that, that whole walkout scene of just like her, just like flipping that switch. Me like you don't think I'd recognize you and you're without your dumbass mask. I'm, I'm like, ah, I'm yes, so, I'm so glad. I'm so glad they use that line too because how many times? And this is coming from a guy who likes DC Comics, but how many times have I complained that they don't recognize each other? I'm like, they're they're wearing like like glasses. Yeah, like I understand you have that whole thing. They explained it in Supergirl really well recently. What in season one? Yeah. I believe they explained the whole, hey, you know, the glasses, the hair, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. People believe what they want to believe so you can get away with it. Right. But then there's also times where, listen, 
villains are smart many times. They have deductive reasoning. I think they can put two and two together. And this is that moment where you can kind of break that fourth wall and kind of call out the comic book bullshit. Like, listen, you think I can't recognize you, especially with that hair? Come on, that curly, <laughs> those those blonde flowing locks. How, how many five four blondes are in the town? Yeah. Oh yeah, just you. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. It, it, but I mean that that whole bedroom scene was just so intense, and like the monologue wasn't drawn out and boring it wasn't even really like i guess you could i mean you could call it a monologue yeah but it was also just it was just her working she was being what she is she's kind of being a bitch you know eating the candy that she brought her <laughs> and just slowly just dude she's like i brought this with pizza it. to the studio it's for everybody i'm just gonna leave it on my desk though and eat it yeah i don't like this one you can have it <laughs> yeah so, yeah, so seriously, from the moment Pat crashed his car until Dr. Ito realizing Henry Jr. had power. Beginning to the very end, you were completely engrossed. I didn't look at my phone for a second. And just like you said, Bob, I was surprised when the episode was over because it was so engrossing. And you said the word concise, and that is a perfect way to describe the way this episode was written. I would love, honestly, because I'm a, a film geek, I would love to get a copy of the script because it's that good. I'd love to actually analyze it. Yeah. Because, yeah, it, it takes a lot to build and build and build and deliver. Yeah. And, yeah, it's amazing. All right, so let's uh, talk a little bit about... Um, a little bit of Stargirl news before we get into the rest of the episode. We have good news, but there's a little bit of bad news that comes with it. Okay, so Stargirl has officially been renewed for season two. The bad news is, is that it's being pulled from the DC universe completely and will now be exclusive to the CW. It'll be a CW original is what they're calling it. According to the article here, Stargirl has been renewed for a second season at the CW. With the renewal, the CW and its digital platforms will be the exclusive in-season home of the series starting with its second season. Season 2 will not stream on the show's original home at DC Universe. It was announced ahead of the series premiere that episodes of the show would air on the CW the day after their streaming debut on the DCU. And that's pretty much all we have at this point on the show. The show is averaging uh, in live plus three. The show is averaging between, uh, whoa, the show's averaging 1.5 million viewers. That has to include the app. Live plus three. So if they're now including not just DVR numbers in that, they're also including the CW uh, app then yeah, I could see that. Um, yeah, that's insane. Today yeah. it has averaged 0.2 rating in adults, 18 to 49, and just over 1 million viewers per episode. And the Nielsen Live plus same day ratings, then on par with other DC, okay, it's not, on par with <laughs> other DC superhero shows that aired on CW during the regular season. In Live plus three, the show rises to 0.4 and 1.5 million viewers. So yes, it's a, uh, wow. Uh, so it's a rating success, I would say, for the CW. It's sad to say that 1.5 million viewers in this day and age is a success for the CW. 
I mean, my, the mighty has fallen. Yeah. Um, and you know, on par is not really, that's double most of the numbers from the, uh, didn't we say last week that black lightning was getting like 400,000 and I mean, legends was like 600 to 700,000 people to to break 1.0 was a lot. Um, I am torn here. Do I want to see these characters move on? Yes. Yeah. Do I want it on the CW? Absolutely not. Um, un- unfortunately, uh, I started these shows five years ago and I've watched a trend in television to where instead of telling stories, they're telling whatever the latest social justice yeah. thing is, is the CW's like kind of go for. And you know, it, it sucks to say that, I, but I just want them to t- keep telling stories like this. And I'm afraid if they go to that, then it's going to be like, Beth is a lesbian. Yeah. It's well, like, what does that have to do with the story? Right. Uh, you know, and she's falling for Yolanda. Yeah. But Yolanda doesn't want it because she wants to do this and so-and-so is this. And, and that's the stuff that I, I, I'm worried about. And then we get to the production value of what we've seen. Uh, we used to joke on the flash that we knew when the gorilla grot episode was going to come up because they didn't let flash run for three episodes because they had to save the budget for the gorilla grot episode to make it look right. And legends has all but given up on even doing real superhero scenes with any real powers. Yeah. I mean, how, I mean, how many times has Nate actually steeled up and yeah, it's, yeah. it's been very rare you know, they ditched Adam so they didn't have to do that suit anymore. They've done a lot of budget cutting when it comes to it. And I think what we've kind of fallen in love with is the cinematic aspects of the way the thing is shot. Yep. Uh, the, the, the music, the score, all that stuff goes into budget. And if we're going to fall from what is technically a you know, a paid service television network to going to basically public access. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to lose a lot <laughs> of that. access. We might lose people like Amy Smart. We might lose. Oh, no, no, might. Luke Wilson. I let, I'm just going to say and it now. Owen Wilson, even so, though he's not on the show. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to lose Luke Wilson, without a doubt. He will not be on a CW show. Yeah, it's, it's another Calista Flockhart. Yes, he won't. They will find a way to get rid of him. Which is sad because he is one of the most interesting parts about this show. Amy Smart, maybe it's a, it's a toss up. She, I'm gonna say she's probably gonna leave. And are, and are they gonna move this to Vancouver? From I think they're in Atlanta now. Where are they? Yes, they will. They'll have to. And so, which means what we're gonna lose like the wonderful writer that we have for this episode. Uh, we're gonna lose unless they decide. Now you you may lose half that writing room, or you or you may get some writers that decide to hey say yeah you know what if the writing room because with some shows there are some shows where the writing room will remain in L A, but the production will be in Vancouver. In fact, I covered a show that did just that, but also that show was being headed by a very. Um, a veteran showrunner who could pretty much call the shots and do whatever he wants to do. And he decided to have the writing room in LA, but most of the time the writers have to go where the production's at mm-hmm. for lots of reasons, contractual reasons, union rules, uh, tax reasons. There's reasons why you have to keep your team together. So we're probably going to lose the writers that don't want to move. 
And I'm saying this now. Jeff Johns won't be the showrunner. I do not see him being the showrunner of a CW show. Will he remain as an executive producer and possibly write a couple episodes every season? Yes, I can see him doing that. Yeah, basically what he was doing for Flash and some of the other shows already. But Jeff Johns is not going to want to do a day-to-day job, a nine-to-five job, which is essentially what a showrunner is. Let's call it a nine-to-nine job. You know, seven months out of the year, he's not going to want to be in Vancouver. And he doesn't want to be on the CW network. This is Jeff Johns we're talking about. So, yeah, it, 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 there's a I and I feel like I'm so, I, I feel like I'm being an asshole because I really do like this show way more than I probably should yeah. because of the content. You know, it, we like to make fun of it as being Stargirl. But the show, it, we have to call it what it is. It's an excellently written show. It's very well done. And it sucks because I don't see them having I don't see them being able to maintain the quality on the CW. And I'm all about. Prove it to me. Well, let's see what the network can do. Let's give it a shot. But we've already seen what that network can do. And they usually give you one season that's kind of solid. And then after that, every single one of their shows fall apart. They fall into some trope. They are more focused on agendas opposed to writing a good story. And if you're smart, you can put agendas in a story that's well written to where it's not so transparent. And I'm okay with that, but at least be smart with your agendas. The CW is like a guy with a big dick. It's like, hey, I got a big dick. I want to make sure everyone sees it. I like lesbians and, and uh, black people are great and white people are dirty and everyone should be gay. That's what I feel like is happening when I watch the CW. I feel like they're bending me down and telling me how I should think or they're going to rape me. That's how I feel. That's aggressive. I feel very threatened when I watch the CW. <laughs> so stupid. Um, I think we're both acting, you know, being very serious about this because we both enjoy the show, especially after this episode. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of disappointment with that announcement. And maybe it comes to maybe it has a lot to do also our feelings because it because I'm a fucking battered wife at this point. <laughs> you are. You are definitely with all the shows you handle. On yeah, the I mean, I, I got 500 plus shows. I know uh, on DC on RMD. Oh, yeah. But also, I think it's because this decision, Bob, and tell me if you feel the same way, this decision kind of puts the DC Universe app in limbo a bit. They already pulled Doom Patrol to HBO Max. Yeah. And and, and again, we don't we don't even know what's going on with Stargirl at this point because we are in that weird situation. And, you know, me and you as kind of the head of this network talk about all the time is we don't know when the fuck TV season is anymore. Because of yeah. Corona. So when they say season two, that, that might be in two years at this point, the CW might also be gone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of shit that, that can change. I mean, they green lit, uh, green arrow in the canaries and fucking shit canned it before it ever met air. Well, they haven't even made an announcement. They made an announcement saying it's been green lit and then nothing. It's been crickets yeah. and there has been talk that it has been completely taken off the roster. So it, we will see what happens because legitimately cool. Stargirl was renewed for season two. It's 2020. Me and Mike might be 55 by the time season two comes around. And Stargirl might be star hag, you know, but yeah. <laughs> now, now she'll be star woman. No star hag. It'll star be hag. Yeah. About 20, 30 years. Oh. She'll be 
Well, how old would that be? 20 or 30 years, I would put her, uh, what, 46? Oh, that's not a hag. Like, damn. That's Star Milf. <laughs> star Midlife Crisis? That's going to be a porn parody I work on ASAP. Oh, yeah. I'm going to hire the actress that actually um, plays Yolanda. Oh, yeah? Is that what you're doing? Mm-hmm. I, I can't wait to see the Rain Man digital channel on Pornhub. She's Mexican, so it'd be... Um, a diversity hire? Yeah, a diversity hire. What we're about here at Rain Man. All right, let's get into this officially here. All right, episode eight, Shiv part two, directed by Geary McLeod and written by Paula Seven Bergen. I wonder if she's single. She's a very good writer. Oh, I was going to say, is she attractive? I don't know. You she, don't care. You she, she, as, long she, as long as she writes like that, I don't care. She writes you notes. Watch her be a hag. <laughs> So stupid. Be like, you wrote this grocery list so good, baby. I love you. Come here. All right. So after Courtney gets herself into some trouble following an unexpected confrontation, Pat decides they need to come clean to Barbara. Cindy takes heat from her father after a plan to take matters into her own hands goes awry. Yolanda, Beth, and Rick lead an investigation into one of their own classmates, which is Cindy. I'm glad Pat finally said that they have to tell Barbara. Because at this point, I was going, okay, crashing the car to trick the hospitals. All right, that's one thing. But you got to tell the kid's mother at this point. Because how can you forgive someone? Like, okay, so keeping a secret for a little bit's one thing. But now your daughter is coming home with bruises. And you had to fake an accident. That's a whole other level of, of lying. Of child protective services. So stupid. That's a whole other level. Would you forgive someone who is going out of their way to keep something so obvious from you? That's the question here. Because the show's writers has not made it clear what Barbara is actually, what her part is really. We've been talking about this now since the beginning. Why was Amy Smart cast as Barbara? What part is she going to eventually play? And I'm wondering if this lie because she's going to find out we'll end up pushing Barbara to Jordan, especially after what we saw in this episode, the show likes its tension, right? Yeah. And that could be one way to ratchet it up that much more because that dinner seemed that dinner scene seemed a little seemed pleasant, but it was awkward. And that look as Jordan walked away, I'm assuming was a way to give the audience a potential look into Jordan's feelings. Perhaps he's starting to grow a little too fond of Barbara. Did you also get that? Yeah, I I, I think that setup is there uh, for that relationship. As far as this is going to be the, the like pushing her towards him. I'm not saying pushing like they're going to get hooked up and they're they, she's going to be, you know, team Jordan, but I'm saying is she's going to have her own superhero in the womb. So stupid. I'm saying I can see them pushing her to him in a way that they create an even stronger relationship. And now you also have to take into account that everybody knows Courtney's identity. Now <laughs> Jordan's going to find out in a matter of minutes. Yeah. And we'll definitely have another homecoming scene. Yeah. And I exactly because I didn't I say I believe I said this last episode that I don't think there's going to be a sexual relationship necessarily. I think there's the makings and it could happen in, in a real world. Absolutely. But in this TV show, I don't think it's going to go that far because I don't think we're supposed to hate Barbara. And if she were to do something like that to Pat, you know, it, it would cross a line 
uh, for us audiences for the most part. But I do feel like they're trying to push them together. They're trying to build something there between the two of them, between Barbara and Jordan. And there's got to be a reason for that. And what's the reason? Courtney's identity. There's got to be a reason why Jordan isn't just going to lash out hell on earth when he finds out who Stargirl is, right? Mm -hmm. And the only reason, it's going to have to be her at this point, right? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's the only kind of... Only thing that would make sense. Yes, like reasonable like logical next step. Yeah. Especially when you look and see what Jordan's about Jordan's anger. This is why he's such a bad guy because he's not really a bad guy. Like sure. He killed a kid. That's fucked up. That was a bad choice, bro. And you kill people, but he's take away the kid from the equation. Okay. Who is also, when you, let me sound callous here. It's also collateral damage. His father was also a supervillain. It's kind of that whole stormtrooper and the Death Star thing and the the jizz mopper or the mopper, the 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 janitor. Is he as guilty as the stormtroopers because they were willing to take a job on the Death Star? That whole Kevin Smith the, gag. No, did you did you just do a clerk? Yes. Yes, I did. Those are independent contractors. But the point is very clear. <laughs> right. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, like, no, he, I got gotcha. you. It's collateral damage. I, so take that. At, let's take that out for the people there that can't get their mind wrapped around that. Let's take the kid out of the equation. This guy is essentially a vigilante. His goal. Is to. Seek out those who ruin the world and destroy them. And specifically the person who killed his wife through. Corporate corruption and poisoning. The land. I've always said that there is really no difference between a villain and a vigilante. It just matters what side of the coin you look at. Right. If he just made one or two decisions that. Let's let's say he made one or two different decisions. We call him Captain Planet. He's a fucking hero. Right. (laughs) Right. Just just swamp thing is a hero going against fucking people (laughs) that are corrupting the, the environment. This guy is just on a different level. Yeah. He is one of those that believes the ends justify the means. But by definition, he's a vigilante. And if he didn't kill that kid, I would be on his side. Honestly, I get it, dude. Like you're killing corrupt politicians, corrupt business owners, you know, pieces of shit CEOs that know willingly what they're doing to people. I mean, I find it hard to believe that Oliver would do the exact same thing or he hasn't done the exact same thing. Yeah. (laughs) Batman, anybody fucking with my city, I'm going to take you out. Yeah. So this whole new American project or new America project is starting to make a little more sense. And I'm sympathetic to the villain. He's on a just mission. And that's why he's so good as as a villain. This is this is how you write a character. Oh yeah, because it creates these complicated feelings while you're watching it. You're like, yeah, but he's not. I, I under. I hate that too when I understand the villain. I'm like, I get it though. It makes sense. It does. Well, and I think that's what you need in a villain. You know, it is somebody that you actually believe in their cause. Yeah. Um, because it does make it a weird turn that this isn't a. I'm doing this because of chaos. I'm doing this because he truly believes, and if he truly believes. And in a television show, they can make you truly believe they've done their fucking job yeah. to where you could understand his side of it. Be like, yeah, OK, we'll, we'll I'll buy this bullshit. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, writing a super hateful villain, that's easy. 
It's easy to write a oh, one-dimensional uh, bad guy. No, this is this is it. What are we going to do for a bad guy? We're going to make them Nazis. Fuck yeah, everybody hates yeah. Nazis. <laughs> you know? Season two of Stargirl. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's that, that's always the go-to. Like, how how can we do this? Uh, they're Nazis. Uh, yeah. Oh, cool. Everybody hates them. Doesn't matter what they're doing. They're Nazis. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah. Writing villains like this, and I'm going to include uh, Shiv as well. Writing villains like this is difficult because you have to make a villain who's relatable. You have to try to understand. When you're writing bad things, as a writer, you don't want to think like, yeah, I'm justifying horrible acts, but I also got to make them human. I have to make the audience understand what they're doing. It's not an easy task. Many times it doesn't work. But in this show, it is panning out. Now, the most important thing about this episode, Beth isn't worthless after all. They gave Beth a little bit of legitimacy. I'm still on the fence. I still think they can shove her in a closet if they can fit her in one. Dude, is that, was that fucked up a bit? You see her trying to hide in a closet and she could have fit? Yes. Okay. Why would you do that to her? I, I mean, come on. Because it's funny. I mean, she's already a little overweight and round and you're going to throw her in a closet and then she has to get out because she can't fit. <laughs> That's uh, I mean, bitch, think smaller. Like, come on. A villain's getting ready to walk into that room. You're going to have her hide behind the curtains. <laughs> yeah. So when things were getting tense between her and her comrades. She was the level headed one who had a plan and suggested they stop and think. She was also the one that was able to calm Rick down. And I was happy. I know we make our jokes about Beth and she's not that horrible. She's the least likable character just because you kind of, it's like a big old question mark. Like why her of all people, are you throwing her in? But if you use her for the comic relief, like they did today. Yep. It it works. Bob, you and I are on the same page. Am I I stealing your notes again? If you you let me see the notes, I wouldn't talk over you, buddy. It's all right. I literally (laughs) have it on the notes. She brings levity. That's that's her thing. And if that's how they're using her to kind of because maybe in the first two episodes, we were kind of like, okay, what the fuck? Why her? But now that we see that this show is pretty fucking intense, you need to have a character like that to kind of bring it down. So I do like that they're using her in this way. At least they're giving her a purpose, which, hey, every character, if you have a character in a TV show, they have to have a purpose. Yeah. Can, can I circle back real quick on something? Sure. Um, your your new wife, Paula Sevenbergen. Yeah. Uh, she's quite attractive. Is she really? Uh, I, I mean. She's she's a Jew, too. And I like Jewish ladies. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, she also uh, has written for IDW, DC Comics and Mad Magazine. That's kind of rando. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I was she, just looking her up. She's a diverse writer. Yeah. Let me see her really fast. Now that you distracted me. here. Sorry. Uh, Paula, the number seven Berg dot com. Wait, what? <laughs> what? Okay, what? Paul, oh, she has a website. Yes. OK, let me look it up. Paula. The number seven Berg. <laughs> B-E-R-G? G-E-N. Yeah. Bergen, sorry. Dot com? Uh-huh. All right, let's see what we got here. Yeah, I, I, I'm just looking out for you. She didn't have many followers, so I'm going to tweet her. Where, see where, if I can get a date going. Where's, <laughs> where's her photos at? Uh, slash about. 
You were such a creep that you actually figured all of this out. Yeah, like, of course. And did a whole fucking radio show. Oh, what's up, Paula? <laughs> Holy shit. Hey, look, you guys got a lot in common. She's a Midwest native. She has a fancy master's degree in English. Mm-hmm. You both can write. Uh, and she, When not writing, she occasionally makes crazy cakes. And you like cake? I do like cake. I don't eat them. Because I don't like to be fat, but I do make them, and then I throw them in the trash. <laughs> I, some reason I just picture you making cakes, and you're like, "Fuck you, fatty!" and smashing it, <laughs> dude. I, I do that. <laughs> I make a I make a cake for my son, and whatever he doesn't eat, I'm like, "Take this to your mom when you visit her on the weekend." And if he does it, it goes right in the fucking trash. <laughs> like, "Fuck you, creep." Uh, so, uh, but it, even more surprising now of how well this episode was written. I mean, this is a broad that writes for Mad Magazine. Damn. So I'm going to reach. I'm like, what's up? Uh, I'll do it right now. I'll, I'll, I'm going to at you. No, please don't. <laughs> I like how rides. I'll do it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, sorry about taking us a little off track there. I figured right. it was worth it. Doing some research. I'm going to, I'm going to follow her really fast. so I don't forget about her. So I already followed her too. Okay. She's going to be like, why are these creepy DC on RMD guys following us? Yeah, why are these creepy DC and RMD guys? She's going to figure all that out. I don't think she's going to even give two shits. He's, oh, uh, do you see all the shit I just figured out in fucking five minutes? Yeah, but you're Leave a creep. And I want to see if she's hot. So there's reason. She's not <laughs> She's not going to be like that. She's too busy making fancy cakes and writing. <laughs> all right. So let's see here. Where was I at? What were we talking about? Uh, fancy cakes. Oh, yeah. So Beth bringing levity. Um, the whole scene between her and Pat was fucking funny dude the whole adopted yeah. father I'm a, doctor. I'm a doctor mechanic they call me the the mechanic of doctors <laughs> dude this is why you pay luke wilson timing is everything dude his comedy is so fucking good dude he is so good well yeah because that is the classic like what he does in all these movies is just being very quick-witted and like just like stone-faced of like yeah no that's it you know, this is why we do this. I adopted her because, uh, yeah, I loved her mom so much. And, you know, just coming up with all those different things, you're just like, fuck, this is funny. And and they played off each other really well in that scene. And then to have the Stepford wife just sitting there going, uh-huh. Okay, what is the deal with this? Do you think this is a thing? She's going to have fucking uh, nipple guns. Okay, because that whole scene between Pat and the Stepford wife, do you think there's more to it? You know, her coming on to Pat, or is it just simply a way to express that she's isolated and possibly lonely in this Lon- house? Lonely wives. I-, I think that's it. Uh, because we also have that moment with Dr. Midnight uh, where the goggles couldn't identify her. She was unknown. Mm-hmm. So what she created, we know that Ito said he conditioned her and he conditions others so perhaps she's partially created in some way. Dude, I have a feeling whatever, that they're not real. Whatever we're going to see is going to be some kind of creepy matrix battery situation of just him creating clones because yeah, whatever he's figured out. I mean, because we're talking about a fucking Nazi war criminal, right? Um, who's still alive and looks like he's a lizard. Uh, so obviously whatever he's done he's created his daughter that way he's created uh the stepford wife you know and so why wouldn't he be able to activate her or this has just been an experiment and even well he had alluded to it being like what like the like the very 
like one of many different stepmothers that he had made. Yeah, because she gets all angry. And I could just, yeah, yeah, just see him like her smashing their heads and Jeez. be like, oh, God, does she, you know, Shiv killed another one. Looks like we needed a new mommy. Yeah. Um, so. So these people are probably created yeah. in some way. Oh, yeah. I, I think there's so much going on in that. Because he's like a mad scientist. Nazi I mean, scientist. Yeah. Maybe that's what they come up with. Like, they, that's how they explain Grundy. Yeah. That Grundy is just another fucking oopsie. He, that, especially since he seems to be the one that has him locked up, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, there's a whole thing. Man, there's, there's I told a, you, they could do a whole fucking show on him. Yeah, they really could. Like, I, I, I always wonder, like, after the, the success of Joker being like that villain movie, mm-hmm. why aren't we getting more of that? There was a rumor that they were going to start moving into villain movies. Remember, they were working on a penguin at yeah. one point, but I... But I mean, talking to television shows, the where the whole goal is to spawn a hero. Oh, I'd be so... You know, it's like, how how else do we get there? Can you imagine that's how you create a hero show through a villain show? Which, a fucking that, genius. That would be Trademark so Digital fucking 2020. great. I'd watch it. Oh, yeah. In fact, why not get a real Superman show like that? I mean, imagine starting with Lex Luthor and then through Lex Luthor, we get the introduction of Superman. That'd be totally different. Yeah. And you're just rooting for somebody to come around or you're just waiting for it to happen. Yeah. All right. So let's move a little bit more into Courtney and Cindy. We had talked about it a bit, but let's talk. Let's get a little more in depth in that whole scene. Now, my interpretation. Is that even though the whole thing was a charade. To fuck with Courtney. I do also believe that there was some truth to some of the things that she was saying. I really like the part about being almost the same. I believe I had mentioned that in our last episode. That they're similar. And you can tell that Cindy had definitely felt some type of connection with Courtney when they were working together in their class. And she had found out that her father had died. So I do feel like there are some similarities there. And that was the moment where they were going to kind of flesh that idea out. I mean, this is classic DC villain 101. As we say in many of our DC related shows, many times the hero and the villain share very similar traits, similar experiences. And from a writing standpoint, wanting to dig into the psychology of what makes a hero a hero and a villain a villain. Sometimes the best way is to just simply contrast the two. Yeah. Give them the 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 same storyline and just a different path. You know the same type of origins, and we you're right. We did talk about it last week. The they kind of had parallel storylines going on where they were struggling on wanting to do more, wanting to be more. I want to be better. I want to be worse. Whatever you want to call it. They both have daddy issues. Yeah, they both have daddy issues. They did show all that. So of course there was a morsel of truth when she's sitting there going. You know what? Under different circumstances, Mike, we could be best friends. Yeah. You know, and you're like, I could see that. That's the moment when I thought for sure she knew when I was like, she's fucking with her. When she said that under, you know, different circumstances, we could be or we could be the same or no, we're the same. Is that what she said? Something like that. Yeah. 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 It just makes for an awesome character study, taking this like more of a nuanced look at why some people that share similar life experiences make the right moral or ethical decisions and some do not yeah it's 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 definitely there and i I think you know it was a weird 
You want to reference back to Smallville, like the early Smallville? Yeah, those are the best years of Smallville. When, when Lex and Clark were kind of friends, friends, yeah, and but you knew that there was some animosity between them, and that it was coming, and that's what I felt a lot in this scene was yep. like. Yeah, they're there, but you know something's going to go wrong, and they just fucking flip that, like, within 40 minutes. You're yeah. just like, holy shit, that went fast. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, I mean, the fact that we like Cindy, I mean, I I do. The fact that I like Cindy after two episodes is a testament to the writing and the decision they've made for this character so far. Because you and I both said at the beginning, like, Who's this bitch? Like we did not like her. She was completely detestable in every way. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly in two episodes, you're like, oh, relatable. We understand her. And now we, I don't know if I'm sympathetic necessarily, but I do understand her. And I think that's all I want. That's all I want. When I watch a show, my thing is I want to understand the villain in a show like this. I don't, I, in some scenarios, I don't mind the black and white. Sometimes you just have the sheer beast of evilness, right? And it works for certain shows. But in a show like this, I feel like I want to understand the villain. And the fact that I understand her now makes her more likable. You, you can understand why she's doing certain things. I don't agree with her decisions, but at least now we, we know what she's made up of. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely there. And again, the, I mean, she's more interesting to me than Courtney is. I'll be honest. Like, I like Courtney, but Cindy's more interesting. Uh, But we, again, a broken record here. The villains need to be more interesting than the heroes. Heroes are doing hero shit because they're heroes. Why are the villains broken? Is a way better story. Now, speaking of broken villains, this Henry kid is another one that we, like, what a douchebag. Remember the first episode? What a doucher. And then... Over the course of seven episodes, you're like, poor kid, dude. Like, I, I, I fucking feel for this dude. <laughs> Yelling at Yolanda. Uh, I almost said Yolanda, but we have a Yolanda. Yeah. Uh, runny egg. Yeah. You know, type of thing. Too. <laughs> yeah, like, right. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I feel bad for this guy now. Yeah. He had that whole like James Franco Green Goblin moment in this episode. Yeah. You know, finding the uniform behind the wall. Uh, and a file on himself and Yolanda or not Yolanda, but. uh yeah Yeah. cindy uh yeah there there was so much going on and you're right you feel bad for him and he's almost in the way they should have worked a dr doom fantastic four Mm -hmm. to where this dude just got fucking powers and he doesn't understand why the fuck he is the way he is right you know they're almost working the way that i feel like a fantastic four type scenario should be work that dr doom has got hit with the same fucking shit as everybody else he went in a completely different direction right and so i feel a lot of that like kind of weirdness going on with him of i just don't understand why and i don't want to be this way but somehow it, this feels right yeah i man who knows it's gonna happen we know henry jr is gonna be a villain we know this but again it's not that simple because he's not a bad guy there's nothing about him that makes you feel like he's a bad person. He's actually kind of a good person. He suffers a bit. He's a bit of a douche because of his father, but he's not someone I, you look at Cindy, you're like, yeah, you're a bad seed. Yeah. You were made that way. Yeah. You look at Henry, you're like, the dude was neglected by his father and never really felt like he was appreciated. Uh, He's insecure. So he's not a bad guy. He does have a lot of issues. So it's even going to be worse seeing him fall. 
because he is going to become Brainwave, mm-hmm. without a doubt. I mean, the next episode is titled Brainwave. <laughs> Spoiler alert. So dumb. And everyone knows Courtney's identity, and it just leaves you with the big old question, what's next? There is no secrets anymore, except poor Barbara. She's the only one that doesn't know. You know what would be next on the CW? What? English midterms. Oh, that, that would be the next episode? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> well, that's what we had to look forward to for season two. How is she ever going to learn advanced uh, languages in Spanish? The entire French or something? we would have had. We would have and actually her, had her and Yolanda will have a study group of how to say me llamo fucking Courtney. Uh, why are you trying to ruin it for me? Because I'm a bitchy pendeja. It's so stupid. It is going to happen, though. Fuck, dude. <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, so, yeah, that next episode, I mean, uh, again, we said this before, man, uh, the the five-day fucking countdown on the DCU app could go fuck itself. <laughs> you you tell me I can pay nine ninety nine to watch that next episode now? Oh, yeah. There's a chance sure. I'm clicking that goddamn button. Oh, can you imagine <laughs> if they did that? Watch like, the you episode early for two bucks. Dude, who wouldn't? Uh, I don't know. There would be some that Thousands wouldn't. Of but... my friends that won't pay a dollar to listen to Circle of Jerks for... <laughs> So sad. It's true, though. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's take a quick break. And then when we get back, we're going to jump into our final thoughts and our RMD score. We'll be right back. Hey, RMD listeners. This week's product of the week is DC collector Wave One Batman Who Laughs, seven inch action figure. Born from the nightmares of the dark multiverse, the Batman Who Laughs is a hybrid version of the Batman and the Joker from Earth 22. This Batman Who Last figure is an incredibly detailed 7-inch scale figure with about 22 points of articulation for full range of posing and play. Check the podcast description of this episode for the details. Keep Rayman Digital on the air by pledging to our Patreon page. In order for us to continue to put out professional live broadcasts and podcast episodes, we need the support of our listeners. So go to patreon.com slash Digital to pledge $1 to $10 a month and keep us on the air. I mean, pledge a dollar. Jesus, if you listen to us day in, day out, are we not worth a dollar, Bob? At least? At least a dollar. Well, you're worth a dollar. I'm worth 50 cents. So maybe they should pledge a dollar fifty. We'll start the Mike and Bob buck fifty tier. Yeah, come on. If my work isn't worth at least a dollar fifty, I should just end it now. Jeez. <laughs> The Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show. Apparently, whole fabric of society, so long as they and their weird way of doing sex is is, is legitimized, that's what they. Their weird way of having sex or doing sex. I mean, gay folk—they're not aliens. They're not from Trisomia <laughs> Twenty-One. They're human beings. They have sex the same way we do. They don't mind meld in order to fuck. <laughs> now then, they don't, they don't place their fingertips together and they're orgasming. The way these, I mean, Thomas. Oh, Jesus, he's in the studio. Uh, Thomas, I mean, the way the gays uh, signed those leases for the latest Kia excursion. I mean, it's just, it's madness. The way they do those leases and buy those homes. And, you mean and, the signature the same way everyone I mean, else their, does? Their credit ratings are just exuberantly high for, for people. From it's a just, lack of divorce? It's, it's true. I mean, they live a better life. They have more disposable income than the rest of us. But good golly, they're going to ruin society. If anything, we can learn a, a little bit about economics. And, and the life savings from the gay community. <laughs> For more Rain Man, visit rainmanshow.com. 
Sister, I can't. Tequila, I can't. At the party, I can't. Literally, I can't. All right, welcome back, everyone, to DC on RMD, the Star Girl Edition. Remember to find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Just search DC on RMD, the Star Girl Edition. Or if you want the rest of our DC shows, you're a DC fanatic. Just simply search DC on RMD, and you will have access to all of our DC content. All right, so let's get into our final thoughts. Bob, you know, you have gone first for the last few weeks, so I will go first this time. <laughs> you just don't want me to steal all the shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'm going to give this episode a 97%. Wow. Dude, it is really well written. I'm not, I'm, it's more of, that's, that's an amazing I was shocked when I was going through my my pros and cons. I always have my own little charts that I rate things very professionally as I'm watching an episode. I have a reason why I check things off and the reason why I say, yes, this is great. And I circle it. I never if someone would have said, hey, next season, you remember that show Stargirl that just got announced? I'm you mean like, the one that neither of us wanted to fucking cover? If someone would have said <laughs> you, if future Michael would have told me, hey, you're going to rate an episode of Stargirl a 97%. I'd be like, oh, fuck off. Do they have my kid? <laughs> Did I cut my dick off? Like, what? Who, who are you the same are, are person? They, are they holding my kid captive? Should I be worried? Where is he? Is the writer hot? <laughs> Stupid. I never expected for this show to be this good. 97%. Good TV show. Good episode. Never expected it. Well directed. The soundtrack. The music that's composed is amazing. Not just the music choices that they choose to put in. Compose for those scenes. This isn't some fucking off the shelf bullshit. The action sequences. The visual effects. The moment when Icicle killed the CEO. And you just see his head. I mean that's the cleanest version of that shot we've gotten so far. And the cold breath. Yeah. Dude, like he's blowing out a fucking puff of smoke like a cigarette. I am fucking blown away with this episode. And that's why a down note here. I am so frustrated about the whole CW news because they are not going to be able to maintain this. Let's say everyone goes over there. They're not going to be able to maintain the visual effects. You're not going to have the same budget. You're not going to have the same budget, which means you're not going to have the same visual effects team. And you're not going to have the same rights to music. How? I mean, they opened this episode with the goddamn cannonball theme. I mean, that's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. They're not going to be able to afford any of the music they're using. No, because they've had a they've had a soundtrack that you could release on iTunes. Yeah. So 97%. Go for it, Pop. Uh, I'm, I'm at a 95 uh, which is by far my highest ranking. I think this is my highest ranking since going through my Watchmen series mm-hmm. um, because those were all up there and because this one was definitely on that level. There is a special place for a television show that can make 45 minutes feel like 15. Feel like a fucking commercial break. like Or make you want that much more of going, Jesus, why can we have Shift Part 3? Uh, right after this because everything about it was so spectacular whether it was like i was going this whole time well no courtney's gonna be stuck in this bed you know uh, because they set it up with 
you know, Pat talking to the staff and like, don't lead her to trouble. And then for her to fucking jump scare the fuck out of me going through the window going, where the fuck's my friends? I was like, holy crap. Like th- th- that whole action scene there towards the end, fighting <laughs> in the middle of the street, the voices in his head as they're fighting and hearing all the different reactions and everything going on was fucking intense. Yeah. And it's crazy. It's so much like you think that they couldn't up the bar that we're going to get into that. What I mean, technically this is the mid season finale because I believe there's 14. So if we go oh, by 14 episodes, I believe so. If we go by normal, uh, like television, this would be like the mid season, like we'll come back type thing. But the fact is, um, you know, they haven't hit a lull. They, they hit a fucking peak right here. And it's just yeah. like, Holy shit. What do they go to? Where do you do now? Because you're going to disappoint me next week. Yeah. Maybe. Cause I had that same feeling when I was watching Watchmen. I was like, there's no way they can teach me more. Uh, but no, they did. Uh, and so I hope that this goes on that same track because uh, this thing was written so well, the directing, the acting for what are technically young actors that haven't really had like a shit ton of experience other than, you know, some of the main villains and then like Luke Wilson, of course for them to create this panic and anxiety as a viewer to where you're like, you feel like something bad is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I haven't felt that in a while. Um, I never once was like, Oh, you know what? Oliver's going to die. And I was like, Courtney jumps into that fight. I was like, she's already fucked up. Something's wrong. Going to go wrong. She ain't at full strength. And, and to have like the minions fucking jump up and take Shiv away at the end. She's like, Oh, that's a good way out. Like yeah. daddy's mad now. Like, so we're going to see some fucking shit with that too. Uh, it, it's just, it's excellent t- television. And again, Did you say excellent tit tit excellent tit tit steak. I'm going to sit down now. Um, <laughs> Okay, so, you know, going back just a second here, because this, this is the type of episode we have here. So we had mentioned, like, what are they going to do now? Because the jig is up, right? Courtney's identity is out there. But I'm wondering if they're just going to, because they took Shiv away and said, this is enough. I'm wondering if they're just going to let Courtney be because they don't want to do anything that's going to disrupt whatever plan they have. They're just going to walk past each other in the goddamn right. high school. They're just going to say, we need to lay low because we do not need this type of. This is why you can't be at the table. Right. I mean, isn't that what he said, essentially, yeah. in this episode? Yeah. That you're bringing too much of a spectacle to to what Icicle wants to keep kind of low, <laughs> this down low. This isn't about having a, a, psychotic, a fight in the streets. Yeah, a psychotic break in the middle of a freaking neighborhood. Yeah. So, all know. right. It's fucking dope yeah all right so this does bring us to an end i want to thank everyone for listening thank you bob thank you mike who are you bitches mother of god would you look at the time when you came here you had an hour 